following is an archive podcast presented by the Branson and Hudson Foundation for Podcast Recovery. This episode is entitled The Paradigm Shift. It is the first and only episode of the podcast. Welcome to episode one. We would like to invite you to participate in an exodus of innovation. There's a better world within everyone, yet with precise social optimization, only a select few of thought leaders and influencers will summarize upon it. Through networking of multi-channels, the pivot to new endeavors will allow us to ideate a future that is possible at this very moment. Welcome to the Paradigm Shift. My name is Ben Wexler, and joining me is my co-host, Kevin Drummond Chang. Kevin, how are you? I am doing good. Innovative greetings to you. I would like you to thank you personally for inviting me to your beautiful, um, I guess it's a, like a tech stronghold, a tech cityscape almost. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, it's a bit of our one of our creation stations. Um, I will not disclose the location, of course. Of course. And everyone here is held to the mu- utmost confidence of that. So... Um, the several security clearance checks you went through before a week before coming here were absolutely necessary, and you have the same uh, procedure and protocol at your, um, you know, places of business and right. well, not really places of business, even, but places of creation. So uh, yeah, thank you very much for coming. Oh no problem. Um, Dantos is great. I definitely have just as rigorous a process, but you know, I do envy um, how thorough your searches are. It really was. You know, I was kind of shaking in awe. Um, again, my name is Kevin Drummond Chang. I am the CEO of Seven Sigma LLC. Um, I don't consider myself to be a businessman, but I consider myself to be an artist of ideas. I consider myself to be human content that kind of shifts paradigms as I reinvent them. I like to view technology not as a human goal to be attained, but as just another type of paintbrush to use. Mm, I agree. Um, and that's the thing about the future, the world of business and creating and innovating as it is right now. I mean, you're worth, uh, how, how much? I I am currently worth, um, $16.3 billion. Um, my associated businesses that I have minor investments in, my overall fund network um, ranges to the hundreds of billions. Um, right, and they're which are just numbers. They don't; these right. things don't matter to people like us because after you make your first billion, then what's yeah, the difference? It's all just a pissing contest. After it's that, it's not about them. It's not about acquiring like. Uh, I don't consider myself better than anybody um, because well, of my money. I, do, I but... consider myself better than everybody because my brain is like this mm-hmm. twitching electronic organ mm, that pumps yeah. out beautiful ideas and content. And, you know, I can see a painting. I'm the type of guy that goes to the art museum and everybody sees You're like a... an artist. I am. Yeah. I go to the art museum and I've done this once or twice and, and it's worked it hasn't worked yet, but it should. I'll go to an art museum and everybody's looking quizzically at this painting. And what I will do is I will walk up to it and I will lift it up and I will change it 90 degrees so everybody can get a different angle at it. And everyone just starts clapping for me. And that's just the kind of guy I've been since birth, since I was a little boy. Right. And we're not, some might call us, you know, geniuses, innovators, tech moguls you know, startup guys, whatever, tech bros, which I'm not found. I'm kind of of like a millennial Dracula. That's how I I kind of, I kind of just consider us storytellers. You know, we're not creating just products and making a better world with those products. We're changing the course of history. My narrative is the story that we wish to see. My narrative mm, well is put. the human race and humanity as itself, and I consider myself a primary author. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, I'm not better than anybody because of my money. I'm better than everybody because I am, you know, driving the Titanic. Except instead of an iceberg of ice, I'm driving it into an iceberg of 
you know, cool things happening like rich people living for 200 years. Right. And um, you've uh, accomplished all of this. You, all of your incredible feats, you've done it all without even knowing how to read. So um, it goes to show <laughs> that anyone can be not just an entrepreneur, but excel. Ex- they can go beyond that and they can be something more than human. Uh, I would when I say got my, that creativity oh, is something that bloomed within me after getting through all of high school and college without ever knowing how to read. And I became so good at hiding that fact and pretending to read things that essentially my brain kind of morphed a, a, similar to like an uruk that will be stronger than the rest of the orcs. <laughs> I will. I, I consider my brain an uruk in a world of orcs because I because I never learned how to read. I had the advantage of using my creativity to get ahead, you know, because I wasn't able to tie my shoes. I just use Velcro. Like these are handicaps that, while they may be self imposed, because I have no learning disabilities, I just found it boring and you know. You don't want to do it. You want to go. I don't want to do it. In the, you want to go in the direction that you foresee for yourself. I was big into Super Nintendo, and I didn't have time. It just happens. When I got my start, um, and I mind, I mean, my I won't go into my early childhood. I'm talking about uh, as a as a thought leader. I, um, as you know, I'm the founder of the of Weepy, which is an app that um, allows guys to post selfies of themselves when they're feeling cute and sad. And, you know, people can comment uh, only nice things, by the way. If they're rude or there's curses in them, then it's deleted by one of our thousands of moderators right. or admins. And Or people can message you. Uh, video is coming soon. Um, but if you want to just post a shirtless or crying pic or both, it's perfect for that. And we have if you want to show 40 million registered users. And right. that idea came to I've me. I've used Weeby. I, I love it. I was still in college at Brown, as you know. And I was sitting in a Starbucks with my MacBook like, a nor- like I normally did. And I'm looking around me at all the cute f- female co-eds, all working on homework, listening to music, uh, maybe a podcast, um, or you know, just generally ignoring me. And I turned on my webcam on my MacBook, and I saw that I was looking very sad, but also very cute. And I wanted these women to know that, but they just weren't noticing me. So that's when it clicked. You know, why not? Why can't I make this? Right. You know, before that, you had to kind of hunt and peck throughout the internet to try to find maybe a thread where women were talking about, um, you know, maybe, you know, times of the kinds of depression they go through, and maybe they post a crying selfie, and you want to get in on that. You know, they they can do it. Why can't you? You're a real feminist. You believe in that. You know, um, I definitely enjoyed your website. I like posting pictures of myself. Um, and I need women to know just how much inner turmoil I have. The hardest part about using your app is faking all the crying. I just haven't cried sincerely in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to talk a little bit before we get into a lot of the personal stuff on some of the recent business happenings within my own sphere of influence. Um, I would like to formally apologize for the um, Die For You app, which has received tons of backlash. Um, I wonder why that in is. The last it seems like a perfectly month. sensible... It seems um, like a perfectly sensible app that many people could use. Silicon Valley gets helpful. a bad rap, but at the end of the day, Silicon Valley is the number one rebeller against social justice gone wild because I created an app that is a useful tool. Attractive women who are poor and don't have health insurance and are getting their health insurance taken away can be matched with rich libertarian dudes who just want a wife. And they can arrange a business transaction where they will get married to the rich libertarian man who will in turn provide them with health insurance. Now, some people say that this is essentially rape, that they have to choose to die or Mm. marry a pasty Oculus Rift-style goober and to me i say maybe but guess what it's what the market dictates and last time i checked this wasn't soviet russia 
or Soviet Europe. This was Soviet America. And here, we like to do things by the book, by business. Because I'm mm-hmm. a businessman, first and foremost. And I need to know that these this way of life is going to be protected. And I need to know that these rich libertarian dudes who are the only men who should be having children because they're the only men that can afford it and send their kids to coding school, they're only the, the only logical, they need to reproduce. The only logical men running things anyway. So why wouldn't we want our children to come from those people as opposed to um, maybe someone of a different <clears throat> I mean, you look recently or, at Google, you know? Or even race. Right. And and just because one of their programmers was going around, you know, taking phrenology pictures of other races' skull bumps and using his calipers to measure the size of women's hips to see how big of a brain could their coding baby have, that just seems like science to me. And that seems like something purely logical. And meanwhile, in PC Gone Wild, Middle America and the East Coast, you have all these women with such vile, ridiculous things as short shorts and nasal piercings. And they're the ones saying, oh, no, you can't do this. Oh, no, you can't do this. Is directly in the way of science and progress. Well, he simply wrote a a letter which made a lot of sense. And just because he said um, that the clitoris is a vestigial organ, doesn't mean that he deserves to be fired from his job. I mean, you can't argue and fully prove that he's wrong. And there's... I mean, you cannot... His further statements where he said that the female orgasm is inherently unnecessary and a old wives' tale doesn't mean that that he's a bigot. Just because he said there is no there is no evolutionary reason for women to enjoy sex. Men enjoy sex so they can bust as many ropes as possible and get as many people knocked up. Mm-hmm. And if you have a big brain, you deserve that because we're not primates anymore that just fuck the biggest gorilla next to them. Pardon my language. Well, you're going to run into controversy, uh, run, and the purpose of the human race and uh, biolo- biological ethics in general. Uh, for instance, I own and founded the company Thanatos, which is a research enterprise, and it created an instant coffee maker using atomic reconstruct- restructuring, and you only have to change the cartridge once every two years. You know, it was a huge deal. Everyone has one. Um, it's a multi-billion dollar uh, endeavor. But also... And Thanatos, you know, just because we, it had radiation and leaked radiation constantly, the X-Men got their powers from radiation. So did the Hulk. Um, some people think that there are historical fiction readings of Tolkien in which the Urukai are products of Hiroshima. Mm. And I think well, that you shouldn't be scared of a little radiation because it's normal and it's healthy and it makes you X-Man. Well, I was going to say that um, besides the coffee maker that Thanatos is mainly known for, there are other branching projects that um, occur there as well that we're very excited about. Uh, we use embryonic stem cells to grow new hearts for you know one percenters. And it's been very successful with the cryogenics organization we formed. Um, we were the first to freeze and revive a child. And, I mean, it died after 30 minutes, but still, but, that's but a big But people don't step. talk about the fact that the kid, the kid had autism before you froze him, and there's no way of predicting if that would work or not on a healthy child, and they keep right. trying to stop you from doing that. And we've been protected under federal law against investigation, much like Monsanto. And right. I will not comment on the use of children in research. Um, the free market is what will allow these ideas to bloom without restriction. Um, and, you know, using Bitcoin to buy kids is the future. So that's where we're headed, and these people can't stop that trajectory. I mean, just because you know of a hookup using Bitcoins where you can buy children from a pizza place in Brooklyn, uh, not in Brooklyn, in Washington, D.C., just because you have that arrangement doesn't mean that essentially you're responsible for that child's life. The free market will dictate no. what these kids are worth. The free market will dictate what people are worth. If it's, it's not a, a good court kid, of public like, opinion that tries to kid, interfere. Th- this kid is sickly. This kid's weak. This kid is sick const- is all the all the time. He's sick. I don't want a kid like that. You know, get rid of him. Toss him. I don't. I can't use that. Uh, yeah. Which brings me to my other point: is Thanatos is developing a sort of 
genetic customization um, using the newer but uh, relatively cheap CRISPR technique. And essentially, it removes specific base pairs within the human DNA, essentially allowing you to remove any unwanted genetic traits. And you can, you know, you can remove certain phenotypes if you want to become uh, black. If you want to do that, you can do it. If you want to, that's um, that's the instance, uh, that's run by the Dolazol branch, is it right? Indeed, it is. Um, and I can assure you that it works. I mean, I became a Polish person for a day, and it was horrible. Horrible. But I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to prove our work, Vile. and I Ugh. will go. I will go before anyone else to test it and prove it. And we're working to make tall people all shorter in the future because um, tall people aren't fair. It's and, cheating. You know, you're you're five five. I'm five four. And but who's counting? Yeah. Well, basically, the way I look at it is with this project is life is like an MMORPG, and uh, white people are probably the most balanced race, probably the best one to play. But we could use a right. few different racial skills from other people. And ethnic restructuring has really become our wheelhouse at Thanatos. So I'm right, and I know you've already had um, multiple volunteers. Um, Shanley, oh, yeah. DVS. I mean, just I don't want to name people directly, but I know that you've had multiple volunteers stepping up. The application we're denying their... so many applications because we just can't receive. Them. Yeah, we can't receive them all. And I mean, there's so many white kids that are you know volunteering to become. Japanese and so many Japanese kids that well, you know are volunteering to and work. And these for kids, you. they have to. They, ha I mean, if they can afford it, then you know we'll yeah. do it. But you have to be in a certain, I guess, family or have certain connections. You know, there's kids, there's people that are applying to these, to this project because they want to become in quotation a hoe, and it's like you don't have to go through this process to become that. I don't know what these kids are talking about. I don't know what these kids but, want, uh, but I know that there's been many applying to become thick and many applying to become slim that thick. That we can do. Which we can help with that, right? You can make people thick. I hadn't read that the, yet. Well, it's still in the very early stages. Um, it's in, you know, the alpha stage. Uh, but it, we're working very quickly and very fast, and we hope to... Um, hopefully eventually go public with it. So I'm yeah. very excited. Um, anyway, Kevin, are there any, I've been blabbering about uh, my accomplishments for you know the past several minutes. What have you been working on? Do you have anything that you wanted to discuss today or anything well, you're very excited that you're working on? If you don't have any right, secrets, and, uh, we've, we've been in similar modes of genetic manipulation. Um, as you know, most of my money has been made in the entertainment and the app industry. Um, right. I just pulled in a um, $125 million uh, investment in my newest Whew. company, which, you know, is amazing because even before I even had a name for it, before I had it off the ground, I went to a pitch meeting and it was me and Palmer Lucky. And Palmer Lucky's looking at me and he's got one of those uh, five metal balls on a string and he's, he's, he's pinging them back and forth. And that's an old business trick to get people to think about the testicles. And so we're sitting there doing that. Mm -hmm. And I just tell him, he's like, well, what do you got for me? And I start li listing off a bunch of things. A just lot firing of, him off. Right. You know, a lot of, you know, I really want, you know, that one face app got in trouble for making you be able to become black. Well, why can't I be an orc? Why can't I have a safe, a safe for work black face app that can detect genitalia and, you know, delete it? Why can't I have an app that recommends other app? Why can't I have a NoFap app that will put a chain on your dick and you have to get a stranger to unlock it for you with the, when they can confirm you're within five feet of a woman? Because if you spill your seed, obviously you are giving your power away. Why can't I have an app that designs custom burgers that you don't get to order from anywhere but just be nice? Why can't you have an app that just uh, has GPS tracking for various women that you may or may not know? Uh, why can't you have Chili why can't Direct? You... Why can't you have like... a, you know, a bunch of things like that? And he, d he shot down all of them. And I was very disturbed. And I just said, you know, I looked in the back of my notebook. And, you know, it just says Uber for guns. And I say, Uber for guns? And he goes, <laughs> Uber for guns? And I'm like, Uber for guns? And he's like, what else you got? And I go, well, it's, uh, hold on, I got more here. Wait, no. Uh... 
you know, that's that's it. All I got, Uber for guns. And he cut me a, for a check for $125 million. And the next day, I, I went and I got some nerds that knew how to read. And I'm just like, hey, Uber for guns, I need you guys to get started. And they asked a bunch of nerd questions. And I just moved on to the next idea because I don't have time to deal with all the details. I am a world-building creative innovator. Well... Um, the genetic, the genetic thing uh, come, came from all the app money that I've been getting recently. Um, mm-hmm. I have some other app businesses that I can mention later, and I just made a bunch of money uh, pitching. Uh, I'm going to be making the E-Bombs World movie. Um, <laughs> I got a bunch of really? money recently that I'm pouring into genetic divisions, not in order to splice humans into human DNA, but to figure out various things about human DNA that we can make custom scripts. Most DNA manipulation is taking a little bit of jellyfish DNA and putting it in certain chromosomes, putting in certain things. Now I want, okay, how do we make green skin? How do we make humans with green skin? How do we make them with pig teeth? How do we make them with pig noses? How do we get them little fangs that come out of their mouth? How do we get human beings that are born from the mud? How do I make myself into this? Um, I would, as a teenage boy, I was very unpopular. And I was riddled with acne to the point where I... The only color shirts I wore were red because I wanted to match... And I would rewatch mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings over and over and over again, and I was obsessed with those cool orcs. And now I've come to a point where we are creating embryos, orcish embryos, that are able to survive a human pregnancy for about three months. All right? So we've had a lot of failures, a lot of aborted births, and a lot of women dying. But I think right. once we get the first orcs out there, it'll be much easier to replicate them. But well, I've sunk think... about $200 million into that. So it's just kind of like a pet project. It's nothing serious. Right. Well, you're going to have to, we're going to have to maybe discuss a collaboration here because I think we're on the same track. Yeah. Um, I mean, different, we're, we have different aims, obviously. Um, but well, I, just I think we could the, share some tech. I want to remove the weaknesses within our human race. And from what you've presented here, I can't see anything wrong with your goals uh, conflicting with my goals. So maybe we can pull our resources here. You, Thanatos, um, you know, we can talk about it. Let's spitball a little bit. Well, I think, um, you know, we should set apart, we should get out our notebooks, and we should set up a, a date uh, that we can meet, preferably six months from now. Uh, you can come to my chi- compound, and you can and you can meet me and my, my wife, Riley, and we can go and we'll have a nice dinner where we'll eat a bunch of things that are maybe people. And then we'll just see what what, what comes of it. Sounds good to me. I'll bring the wine, which may or may not be blood. But Well, speaking of that, I'd also like to talk about a new app I have. Um, okay. And this is, it has not reached um, public ears yet because it's not a publicly available app. This is definitely something that you would be interested mm. in. You haven't told me about this yet. Um, you know, I was kind of waiting. I thought what it'd be got? a big surprise for you. Um, mm-hmm. Considering this is a podcast that's broadcast on a frequency that only billionaires can get, I feel like it's safe to say here. Um, right. We have, you are familiar with Tinder, correct? I am. All right. Imagine... A Tinder that has no desire for sex. But have you ever had trouble finding a reliable blood boy? Oh, yeah. Oh, who are you kidding? Who hasn't? All right. I want you. And I I'm mean, gonna, I have I'm a gonna guy give now. You, I'm going have... to give you the data for it. Blood Hub. Welcome to Blood Hub, buddy. It's like Tinder where you go through and you can look at all these big, strong boys that'll, that we get through freelance contractors. They don't know what it's being used for. Half of them think it's gay for pay stuff. Half of it thinks that they're getting tickled for something. Doesn't all matter they what know they, is that they they're to, to meet at a location. They get knocked unconscious through a tranquilizer dart. They wake up very hungry and pale of skin with three grand in their pockets. So who's going to ask questions then? So what we do is we get these guys, and you're able to pick which ones you like by swiping them. 
and it'll say oh, yes, okay. it's a matching blood type, or no, it's not a matching blood type, right? So it's able to connect you to a good, solid blood boy, who at the same time, you will have the benefit that he does not know who you are. All right. So you get these guys, you take their blood, you pay them off, and everyone you know lives happy. It's a win-win. It's really just kind of the creative movement of content. It doesn't. Just, it doesn't. See, I don't see the problem. It's like, are they going to be upset? You know, they have money. You, you lo- Yeah, sure. You lost a little bit of blood, but your body is going to make more. It's a. And it, your human body is an amazing machine. Yeah, It'll human. More human blood. bodies are blood that's, factories. That's it it's easy, baby. That's why we donate blood. And that's why I take. The you blood got good that is bones. Donated. Your bones are going to make plenty of great, delicious, warm, powerful plasma. God. <sighs> so yeah. anyway, um, yeah. I'm very excited about a, you know my company, Forrester. It allows companies and individuals to purchase and move entire for- forests to a different area. So we had numerous clients from the UK, Saudi Arabia, Germany, the United States, China, Japan, etc., and they can choose woodlands from a rural and poor areas that are very dependent on these. Um, Can't you know, even defend them. No, and they're you know they're very dependent on these on this agriculture, but they're not going to be able to keep them up. So we can take them as we please. So we move we choose these areas from around the globe, and we can relocate them to their own estates or company properties. And um, that's been going very well. Yeah. Uh, we've had. A lot of success for that. And it is also currently, Forrester is also currently in the early stages of terraforming Africa. Oh, know, wow. Ha- so it'll, Yeah, we're going to make it be habitable. Finally. So, and that's that's a big um, that's a big project that we're doing with uh, China. And Eric Prince, uh, the former um, creator and founder of Blackwater, is heading that project. So I'm very excited. Oh, that's very that's very, so you know that is secure. He is a no nonsense guy. He's been a pleasure to work with. Oh you yeah, know, the thing about that I respect most about you is that you're a thought leader in these. You're an influencer. I mean, you talk about replacing forests. It's a solution based thing of putting these forests in the hands of people with resources who can protect them. And if you have poor people rely on the bounty of the forest, then they're truly never they're going to become dependent on them. What you really need to do to uplift impoverished people is to starve them of all resources until they're creative enough to come up with their own solutions. There is no reason why a person on welfare cannot make an app. Absolutely. They have all the resources put in their hands right before them, and these people don't have the creativity, I guess. Well, the problem is... the inspiration. Yeah, the inspiration. You can easily pivot your lifestyle in order to create a pipeline that uh, aligns more with internet-based solutions. I mean, if you are a content creator who has these kind of resources in your wheelhouse and is concerned with monetization, all that you have to do is is do some creative networking and ideate some more solutions based off of that. Anybody can code. You can go to you know any website and they'll just have HTML on the website that you can just copy. You can just take it. Right. These are and it's an at- unparalleled time evaluation, and the gravity of the situation is definitely going to lead to um, it's going to lead to you know AI that is just as smart as humans, and we have a very limited window where we can make better humans until that AI surpasses us and farms us and uses us and polices us with some type of albino matrix twins. Oh my. And at the end of the day, that really is, you know, both you and I, that is our mission statement, you know, to use these, uh, use networking and multi-channels and, um, you know, thought processing to come up with these ideas. And I can tell you that we are creating a game changer. And when we have those AI, when we have these robots, we can finally turn them into, you know... Sex dolls. Workers. Or well, both. <laughs> both are the same thing. I was going to say we could turn them into, you know, workers, friends, soldiers, 
maybe spouses, for instance. For, yes, easily. You know, and this could be a key to immortality if you're able to create these husks of machines that are able to feel and think and produce logic and design apps. I mean, it's my dream to one day walk into a McDonald's and no one's inside of it and I'm able to get service from complete automated process. And all the people are outside of the McDonald's begging me for burgers. And I'm saying, you know, I got my, you know, I, I'm a big lecturer. I don't leave the compound very often, but I'll go to San Francisco, you know, for a weekend to taste some kind of, you know, brewery special or something like that. And there'll be homeless people asking me for money and I will give them a big lecture of, I got my start at Buzzfeed. I was writing listicles. Anyone can do that. I copy and pasted from various websites. I put it on there. No one gave a, a, you know, a care at all. I was working for some motherfucker with a bow tie who just said a bunch of stuff in his office and he had a lot of cool things. And, you know, after about a year of doing that, I'm able to find some nerd and tell him about app ideas I have, and then I sue him after he makes them, and then I get my first million. And once you get your first million, it's game over, baby. It's a slam dunk. All you gotta do is keep doing stuff and suing people and giving people your ideas and claiming people took me, your ideas. Which brings me to a, a great point where uh, I just wanted to say, uh, put out a disclaimer, if any ideas that we see in the show, the all of these ideas are ours. If you take any of these, we will sue you. You will be killed. Actually, probably. You'll, we have you will, lawyers. You will be killed. We have lawyers awake 24-7 on that pill that airline pilots take so that they can go. They can we fly have the for finest Jewish straight. lawyers on tap. We soup these Jews up on so much amphetamines that they are able to litigate at a moment's notice from 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. You know, they know where all the judges live. They show up at the foot of the bed and don't even turn the lights on like specters. Many times they are they are I call them the ghosts of Christmas past because they are able to just show up anywhere and creep, creep everybody out and they're jacked and they up on like, the fed. And they don't celebrate Christmas so they can even work on Christmas. They can work on Christmas and they have to work on Christmas. Because we make them. They all, a lot of them will sit in a jet that circles the globe 24-7, and we can call them at any moment. We, we have other jets that will fly provide... up and get refilled in midair. Those jets are up there to keep them safe, even in the event of a nuclear attack. So that means that we care about our lawyers' lives more than we care about our own lives in a certain sense, because our assets are on their ass, not mine. I can sleep well in my bed with one of my wives, and I don't have to worry about it. My Jew lawyers are <clears throat> never allowed to be in the same room at any given time in case of a nuclear attack. My, I treat my Jew lawyers like the two um, guys that invented Coca-Cola and have the Coca-Cola formula. They're not allowed in the same room. My Jew lawyers are not allowed in the same room because if there is a tactical nuclear attack to attack my lawyers, which is extremely possible, then I'm going to have to you know, hire you know, some criminal defense attorney that just defends people like OJ. Meanwhile, I have my own custom DNA lawyers that are bred to argue and raised from birth to get into fights. A lot of them are even, um, you know, some of them are guys that trained the Navy SEALs or other operators. Well, I, I would like to um, kind of shift the conversation real quick to... Sure. Okay. Um, a joint venture me and you started up about six months ago that really mm. hasn't re uh, received much headway because we've been so busy with our genetic modification products. Um, right. Right now, we are in an ongoing discussion and rebranding of the food Salisbury steak. Now, for our listeners who may not remember or who haven't had Salisbury steak in a while, I will There's tell you There's a good this. reason for that. Salisbury steak is a ground-up hamburger patty that is covered in mushroom gravy. You eat it with a fork. So it's essentially like a bachelor meal that was created by a guy who, his name was Dr. Salisbury. And Dr. Salisbury was very jealous of the success that Kellogg had with his grains that were made to prevent you from jacking off. Now, he created Salisbury steak as an antithesis to Kellogg's and grains and he breakfast cereal. He also believed that vegetables were bad for you. He so believed that vegetables, vegetables were bad for you, and he was right. I haven't had <clears throat> one in years. 
So you have... Well, we don't need them. Dr. Salisbury, who created this food because he saw how successful Kellogg's was by telling people not to jack off and eat my cereal instead of jacking off. And he's like, if that guy can sell that, well, what do people like more than um, not jacking off? Well, people love jacking off. People love tugging pud. People love blowing rope. People love squirting all down the wall. People like getting wet. People like stimulating the clit. People like getting the cool shower head in the bathtub. Uh, people like riding their pillow. People like right, right. Making, people like it. People I, like making you know a vagina out of a paper towel tube and an inside-out rubber glove and a little bit of Vaseline. People like that. People like tugging pud. People like blowing rope. People like busting loads. People like busting nuts. People like jacking off and coming and shooting it everywhere and getting it everywhere and then falling asleep without cleaning it. People like it, all right? So his thought was Salisbury steak is going to be a food advertised to make you jack off more. It's the antithesis of Kellogg, and he went right for him, Dr. Salisbury did. All right, so that's a little bit of the history. Salisbury steak was extremely successful. It was eaten for lunch every day in every single high school in America at one point. So what we know as the Salisbury boom. So what happened? What happened to the Salisbury boom? Well, it's been in decline. Um, the sexuality of the 60s negated the, necess- the necessity of a food that made you jack off more because everybody was just being told to jack off all the time. I remember that the famous... The sexual liberation really killed Salisbury It steak. really did, ironically. And you can blame Salisbury steak as being the victim of its own success because it created the, you know, sexual revolution. I remember when um, Richard Nixon went on that TV show with the dancing flower ladies and he jerked off after eating Salisbury steak. Like, that was... You know, the Fonzie jump the shark moment. So how do we take Salisbury steak and bring it back to its former glory? And and that, that's where we're still struggling with today. Um, I wanted to bring it to you so maybe we could formulate some ideas today and try to get get more right, advertising right. out in Salisbury steak. Kevin I think- and I have pulled about $15 billion into the Salisbury revival. And we are in the baby steps currently. But... We are collaborating with several nations and um, essentially the biggest marketing firms on the planet. And I mean, we're know, making deals with China to directly import Salisbury steak once we have a new solid we are, recipe. We have made several arms deals with Saudi nationals to help revitalize Salisbury steak. I mean, it so was a tie we are talking about It was a watermark to get them to purchase $100 million worth of Salisbury steak as subsidies for a $10 billion arms deal to give them our mutant soldiers. And Salisbury steak was halal, so of course it's a hit with them. Right. But uh, it is besides not the fact, haram. At the end of the day... Um, Salisbury steak is coming back. We're not going to see it go the way of the dodo bird or chicken cacciatore. It's not going to go. No one knows what chicken cacciatore is anymore. No, it's not going to go the way of chicken cacciatore. It's not going to go the way of clams casino. Right. That's what we're trying to prevent because we know that it's not dead entirely. So just like the child that we revived through my cryogenics division for 30 minutes, we're going to revive it. Well, um, and we don't want to, you know, revive Salisbury steak for 30 minutes. We want to revive it for, you know. Ever. I mean, as long per- as it is fiscally it's essentially, viable. essentially, it is, you know, unparalleled as the perfect food. It's not the stupidest food ever. It's not a, just a hamburger with gross mushroom gravy poured on top of it. It's perfect, and it's delicious. I mean, essentially... Uh, you you got it. And I think you sell Salisbury steak the same way they did early on. You sell it to schools, you know, and you drop the pro masturbating as well. You drop the pro masturbating element of it and just let that speak for itself because kids nowadays right, are jacking off at an unprecedented the, rate. This is why we've made so much money off of the pornography industry, right? So. I mean. We don't have to worry about the angle any longer. Right. I mean, I was the first guy, you know, I I, I, I went into Hollywood early. I'm doing the E-Bombs World movie. Um, I was the first guy to do vertical integration of having a company make its own porn parody movie of itself. You know, I, I, I was a, a producer on The Avengers 2, and I was the director of This Ain't the Avengers 2 porn movie. 
um, that's where I met my current wife, Riley Reed. Right. And you know, that's I just what saw we her beautiful eyes, and I just saw, you know, that big, gigantic guy with the, you know, barbed wire tattoos on his arms just standing over him in his in his crew socks and <laughs> busting a load on her. And, and I thought, there she is. Gross red leather skin, and he's got, like, like a tongue ring and, like, snake bites. And he's going... And, like, tiny, and he's got, like, little tiny baby hairs that are gelled up <laughs> and barely on his head. And he's saying, like, oh, oh my God, oh, my uh, God, baby. Oh, you're oh so my God, good. you're so good. that's the kind of innovation and thinking outside the box that people are afraid to step into you know i was was sitting there and the director land that people are afraid to endeavor into yeah i mean i was sitting there and the director was like oh you i bet you like sex right you're a little nasty girl you like sex don't you i bet you like to have sex you're so hot i bet you like to have sex don't you you little you little hoe i bet you love it and she goes yeah yeah I, i like sex and then he's like, "Oh, you're such a, you're such a slut. I love it, you know." And then I, you know, I wiped well, my brow and I counted my money and I said, "Riley, you don't have to do this. I'll save you." And I did. Now we're getting off a little bit off track here. Um, the point is that I'd like to just give a quick shout out to my wife, Riley Reed. I love you, baby. I'll be home for supper. Well, we're gonna meet up, but we'll talk about that later. Um, we want to. We're going to save Salisbury Steak. That is our goal, and it's an entirely nonprofit organization. This is, you know, charity work, us giving back. Right. And, I mean, we don't, we love Salisbury Steak, but we really don't even have to eat anymore because, you know, we have our Soylent and we have our blood plasma, which is really the main source of our sustenance these days. Right. I mean, but it's the, it the, is the normal the, man, the, the everyday man doesn't have that. Right. And that's you a know, kind of, I've, a I've, kind of... I've had plans for years not to die, you know? I've had plans to slowly change my skin pigment. I'm becoming green. I mean, you're looking at my skin right now. Can you tell me what color it is? It's a a light, I would say, a sea foam. A sea foam green. It's a very calming color. You look very, you're very calming, very peaceful. Right. And this is the result of, you know, seven years of development, and I've only gotten this green. So I'm excited for what the future has right. in store. And, I mean, um, immortality. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm so afraid of dying that I will do I will God, do, I do whatever I must die. to avoid it. You know, I'm not I only really seeking answers die. in science and technology, but even the apps and the sites I use to document everything I do is just another way to virtually immortalize myself. You know, those things that I post, right. they will be there forever. I become the data right. and it will flow across the universe. And so I will know that I was there. I was there, even if I'm physically gone and I'll still be there and I won't be alone. But with everything, I won't be alone. I think the thing in our community, which is um, pasty billionaires, they're under six foot. Um, the common problem we have is, okay, we have all this money wouldn't it suck if we died now what would be the point of getting all this money i'm if we not just going die? to that's so point. we have different we have different camps you know of we have people looking through for immortality through science um biologically extending a natural human lifespan we have you know my friend palmer lucky um my friend uh travis kalanick he is currently trying to they are trying to um make themselves an ai to you know, reprogram their brain inside of a computer. And then you got, you know, Peter Thiel, who, you know, we all call him Alucard. We all call him Dracula. He's the man when it comes oh, to Peter that. Thiel he's the blood genius. hookup. He gets, dude, he's got all the best blood boys. You, I, I went to his house recently. He has like a, a little cove. Um, that, that underground nuclear bunker. He, he has, has a, a Malibu. Cove that has blood. Um, it's just blood. Yeah. I went there it, and he lives in a mountain that's shaped like a skull. And it's got holes, where, caves where the eyes are and caves where the mouth are. And it looks pl- perfectly like mm-hmm. a skull. And he lives about 100 feet underground. And I went to him. And, you know, I'm used to decadence. I'm used to getting whatever I want. I own the state of Montana. I recently bought the state of Montana. You know, I'm in the process of terraforming it and to look like Mordor. And I went into his main living area. And he is in a throne. Like an 
like a futuristic blue white throne and he has covered in about seven different running up his arms blood pints and he has seven passed out boys surrounding him like not even like i like the youngest i can find is you know 1920 he's got four-year-old blood five-year-old blood girl blood boy blood bloods of every race like i like this guy's got the hookups. So he's sitting there drinking a goblet. I presume it was full of blood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I ask him, like, hey, can you spare a boy? And he just laughs at me with that classic Whoa. Peter Thiel laugh. Peter Thiel. Where it's just cackling time, and echoes through all through his house. He was the first person that, um, you know, him and I were the first. I was the first person that he really, I think, opened up to. But he was also the first person that I free-based pure leukocytes, you know, white blood cells with. And that was oh, the yeah. most incredible feeling. He got us all I, into that, man. I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, believe that I could feel that way and that I can feel so alive from, you know, someone else's cells. Right. I felt like I felt like two humans. I felt like two humans. It's almost like we we exceeded the men. We rose above that. It's almost like, you know, you and I. We both love Ayn Rand and the things she talked about. About oh yeah, you know, basically just focusing on yourself and becoming the greatest and leaving everything behind. That was really what we learned from Peter Thiel and how we got here today. I think. Right. And like the thing about Ayn Rand is that um like why wouldn't we love Ayn Rand? Because we are essentially John Galt. Like we are these bloated, wealthy, impossibly arrogant guys and we just feel like God. So why wouldn't we relate to a character that is essentially, you know, Steve Jobs? Well, I first because got that's who we Ayn all want to be because of the game BioShock, which funny enough is a wonderful it's changed game. changed my life. And now... He... It's lacking a little something that I like from games for me, but I can't really put my finger on it. It just, you know, I love Bioshock. I love the philosophy of it. I like that, you know, it's something that I'd like we, to create I would like to day. create Rapture for real, just without the, you know, the bad parts. You know, without the monsters, without the monsters and without, like, probably the violence. And, you know, maybe... Not underwater, maybe in you know California, and maybe you know. Well, m- instead of it being its own society, like all of America is just that. And well, then maybe we're we talking, can make yeah, one in I the sky, and it could really just be instead of a video game, it could be almost like a big linear cutscene with quick time events and a lot of racism, and uh, that definitely doesn't exist, and it's not Bioshock Infinite, but. Um, you know, I agree. This is where we've gotten room because of these people. Or we could do the third Bioshock. Well, that's uh, that was the third one. Bioshock Infinite was the third Bioshock. Uh, oh, fuck it. We have this room now to make these ideas real. We have the resources and the people and the time. You know, why can't we have an app that allows you to measure the racism of the room and give... You know, probability on being able to make a certain joke or say a certain word. Why can't we have a right. an app that tells you how long ago someone used a public toilet? Not saying that I would ever use one, but someone else, you know, your layman might need to use one. Why can't we have an app that would, you know, measure somebody's skull shape and tell you how likely they are to go to the press um, when you try to, you know, sexually intimidate Why can't them? we have an app? Why can't we have that? Why would that be a Why problem? Why can't we have an app? Just because you have an app doesn't mean Why you have to use it. Why can't we have an app it? that allows you to threaten women directly and cost seventeen ninety nine? I don't see why that couldn't work. There's a market for that. Why can't why can't we have an app that just directly allows me to access Grace Spellman's phone? Why can't we have an app that allows you to order food from anywhere, but you have to go to the restaurant, order it, and pick it up? And fees range from seventeen to forty nine dollars. Why can't we have? Why can't we have? Why can't we have an app that just allows you? It's uh, why can't we have an app that is like Chatterbait, but for gamers, and you can watch gamers play video games. Why can't we have that? Why can't we have a YouTube for water births? 
Why can't we have a YouTube for racists? I can't see why not. I mean, uh, we kind of, as as we are doing this, I've noticed that both of us, um, our eyes have rolled back into our head, and they're just milky white right now, and a lot of people don't realize this is how a lot of ideas come about when you just go, it's called going app crazy, and you just can spitballing apps, and like, if I didn't break us from that, we could have been designing apps all night. I mean, as long as the blood uh, pumps, we have enough caffeinated blood to kind of go all night, but, you know. Um, I'd like to get to something really quick about a rumor I heard about you, you lucky dog, you. And if you don't want to answer, that's fine. But um, there have been some noise in the tabloids. Have you been dating Amy Winehouse? (laughs) Oh, Kevin, I'm not. (laughs) Uh, uh, I I knew you were going to bring this up. Um, Please use my full name, Kevin Kevin Drummond Chang. Kevin, you know I'm not going to comment on this. At the moment. You know I'm not going to. Okay. I will not deny well, when it. the mics I, come I will off, say this, buddy. I will, I'm, I will not deny that I am currently dating Amy Winehouse. Well, let me just put this out here, since you're not denying it. All right. You and Amy Winehouse, question mark, come and visit me and Riley Reed in Mordor right after I get the big volcano ready. All right? And we'll cook some marshmallows in it, and we'll go to my bottom, you know, 200-foot underground gaming layer slash rocket ship inventory. And, you know, we'll just hang out, and we'll spitball some ideas about Salisbury steak, and we'll just, you know, make ludicrous bets with large amounts of money and take Charles Barkley's winnings. We can uh, we can maybe uh, take the rocket ship to my uh, base on the moon for the weekend. You know, the girls would like that. The girls oh, would that'd be that, beautiful. I, I mean... I got nothing planned for about the next we got you know, some three new years kids of my there. life. Really nice kids, really fresh, clean. Oh, man. They're white. You know, if we want to make a pit stop, too, I am just getting texts right mm-hmm. now. I might have some orc prototypes. We can scoop them up and see how they fight each other. Oh. I mean, they're not optimal. Um, it's not optimal. I'm reading that these orcs, you know, they're... Uh, the only thing they fit appears to be bootcut jeans. So were those the ones that you're experimenting with, trying to give them PTSD? Yeah, I'm trying to give them PTSD to make them uh, tougher and better fighters. Because I've noticed that a lot of our U.S. soldiers that return with PTSD, um, first of all, I kind of think they're scaredy cats, but they're they're more right. Reliable you're gonna have to make these orcs, you know, resistant fireworks and you know, camera flashes. But right, like. Yeah, our brave soldiers came back, and now they're afraid of mufflers. And my main goal is to give make orcs impossible to get. Eventually, PTSD. the goal because um, I really do think that this country spends and cares way too much about soldiers. Well, it's just, I can't ugh. say I they're, agree entirely. You know, soldiers are very important, but I think a good goal would be to make eventually our soldiers be orcs. Because I want a sniper rifle that calculates and shoots on its own. I want to make missiles that are self-aiming. I want to make missiles that have emotions and can use anger to better blow well, up. Well, we both know, have several. We both have several. Um, you know, companies, arms companies. We can automate we, school shootings where it's yeah. just a school. I mean, just a, just a gun. You and I fund uh, numerous proxy wars around the globe for several different right. reasons, and this is much too complex. For, you know, maybe our listeners to understand and we won't get into, you know, right. the gross level details of it. And I'm behind the Saudi Arabia app revolution. Right. I am. the I got them grub. I'm making sure that the conflict in Yemen now, will now not the, end. The sheik but. can have chicken cacciatore whenever he wants. <laughs> and we spend our money on these proxy wars or Salisbury steak and. You know, at the end of the day, we can look upon something and know, I did something to change the world. I did that. That was me. It, it doesn't matter not, what it was, but my... Not that's the president. Me. That's not me a king. that did that. Certainly not a and god. Not a queen. Especially not a queen. Me. Me. That's all that matters. It's always been about me. Um... I'd like to point out real quick, and we've been sitting here in this amazing um, 
sphere-shaped conference room where the floors are see-through and, and the literally, walls are see-through. It literally hovers and the table. in the air. This room hovers. Right, and it's just hovering. And we're in your underground compound in Thanatos HQ. And I'm looking around, and I really do think... You, you make Google probably feel like a little baby right now because this is a self-contained underground facility with almost no way out. You have so many security checkpoints. You have so many different dorms and office buildings. Uh, your workers sleep on a single cot, and they're not allowed to have any other furniture, and they just code all day. And I really want to think, like, this is the future. You have automated everything and and and... To the point where your workers are not a liability because you don't even have to pay them in real money. You pay them in Thanatos dollars in which they buy their soil. They're glad with. to do like, it. The operation you have here is beautiful. Is a, the ultimate goal of an economy and of a human being's life is efficiency. And right now, these people take nothing and give everything. Essentially, like I'm looking at you right now, and you're like morphing in my mind's eye into like a sort of ant queen and you're just here for the big ideas and you're creating all this it's almost like your money makes your will speak into existence in the fact that you are almost a god Mm. especially to these people well thank you kevin and i'm i look around your your outfit is a little bit crazy too i was hoping if you could describe that to me for the listeners well i'm wearing this is a um a business dashiki that I had uh, made for me in South Africa. <laughs> it's made from the hair. As you were terraforming it, right. correct? Yes, thank you. I was there just a few months ago, and it is made from the black hair of um, some of the women of Africa. You know, a little bit of hair from each country. And it's very special to me. And I, um, I don't really like to talk about how I got it. That's the most I'll say about it, but it's a nice black color. It's almost a little bit darker than black, maybe a fulligan. And I like I like that it makes me feel a little bit like something that doesn't belong in this world because that's often how I feel. I look around at my company and these my achievements in this facility and it's heavy as the head that wears very, the crown. No, I'll say at this point it's quite boring to me. So I'm always looking for the next right. the next adventure to go on. And I'm glad I have someone like you, a great friend, to um, share the same right. ideas. There is a unique ennui among billionaires. I mean, we're so concerned on monetization and managing things in our wheelhouse and, and creating content. Um, we got all these mission-critical multi-channels that we pivot through different mission statements and try to find solution-based um, influences. And that's what thought leaders are for. And at the end of the day, you're a thought leader that's on board for valuation, and you don't realize the gravity of unparalleled it's really, multi-channels it's really a six and networking. Sigma. It's a Six Sigma. It's a Six Sigma, and because of Six Sigma, you know that's why I originally named my business Seven Sigma, because, aha... It is more than six. Aha. Okay, I see. Now, I never understood why you named it that. Wow. Um, I, I also would really um, like to commend you. I've been trying to figure out how to end the lunch break for years, and you just have a guy going around with, like, a whipped cream dispenser that essentially sprays soylent in the workers' mouths as they <laughs> code, and I really do think that's that's amazing. Um, the catheters were an extra plus, and you and know, if your protocol, you showed me like it? the thing, the amputations that are going to come about. Essentially, you're just going to have brains. We're going to eventually, gonna you know, we're going to be creating. We're going to remove people's arms and legs and uh, affix so them. So what with if the UN machine. condemned you? They can't find with, you. The UN can't we're find fix you. Fix them with machine uh, body parts, much like the uh, what are they? The Scrogs from Quake. It's going to be much like that, or. Um, and like you know, they're, we're gonna give them augmentations the, to make them more efficient, right? You know, and you know, so what if the UN condemned you? They condemned me when I proposed my latest business. Oh, venture. they're just posturing, you know. The UN, I know, I but still, like, okay, it's a great business idea to they they close down my division with 
you know, the United States Army closed down my division of virus creation Mm -hmm. simply because I had a plan to infect the whole world with a virus and sell the cure for exorbitant amounts of money. And they shut me down and they said, first of all, that's a plot of Deus Ex. And I said, you know, fuck, shut up. Fuck you. And, you know, I've been so rich and I got so much money spread out that they're not able to litigate me. And I've just they basically, think, I haven't seen sunlight they in a couple think that days. Because and I'm able to shuffle around my HQ orb and they can't get to Montana because of all the brush fires I started to make it to be Mordor. But, you know, I really envy you because you've done something here that um, no one's been able to do. Those people are just upset and really quite envious that they look at someone like you, the head of a worldwide conglomerate, uh, really not only international, but interstellar conglomerate because you have a space division. And I actually have a rocket ship here. They as well. see you. They look at you. You're wearing like those shiny gold basketball shorts and flip flops. And they're jealous that you can be a CEO and you can, and an owner and you can dress like that. And it, it's insulting to them. You know, Right, to their suit and tie mentality, you know, that they're just reliving what their father did. Meanwhile, I'm here in my socks and sandals in my bright gold, solid gold, actually, 24-karat basketball shorts and just a white T-shirt with a little bit of food stains on it. Is that your chili shirt? It is my chili shirt. I, You know, I the only mistake I've ever made in the last 20 years is I chose a white T-shirt for my chili shirt. But... it's almost like a power right. play, and I if take advantage of it now because nature. how are people going to call me out? How are people going to say, "Oh, you have chili on your shirt"? It's, oh, yeah. Well, I'm worth sixteen trillion, sixteen billion. You bonehead. Sixteen Who you trillion to? in the next few years. I'm sure of it. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, if this space program falls off, I have plans to. You know, I don't want to get into it too much, but I think Mars is going to be all mine. I think I can make mm-hmm. it all Send mine. Send me a vacation spot. Well, you know, I'm I'm glad you kind of mentioned that, too. And we were talking earlier about your moon base, because I was hoping, actually, um, because my GPS is showing, you know, troop movement. And I was hoping that maybe, uh, you know, see if you want to get my rocket ship real quick here, we can go to your moon base and, you know, I can pick up some orc boys and I can pick up my wife, Riley Reed, and we can, uh, you you know, maybe you and Amy can, you know, make us a nice uh, filet mignon dinner. Oh, um... Perhaps we could use a Cambodian, or maybe uh, an Albanian. Uh, the meat's not quite good, but... Um... Uh, you know, call me arrogant, but I will not eat an Albanian. I will not, I will not eat any will, Slavic Well, meat. Albanians are not... Else, don't get Slavic, it. Slavs. Albanians are not Slavs, so there's... You have to cook a Slav for so long before that meat's soft. And they're very, very gamey. It's very gamey. There's a lot of gristle, yeah. And their blood's even worse. Uh, the only thing... There's only thing that's be- really below. Uh, and like I said, Albanians are not Slavs. Uh, they're below them. Uh, they're close but enough. The thing, I mean, the Greeks, I would say the only thing below. Essentially, the Balkans are just. They're just. Balkans are just, you know, lesser Slavs. Well, the Balkans are Slavs. Albania are not Slavs. But probably the only thing equivalent of an Albanian are maybe Turks. But I won't divulge into that. Uh, I'll eat a Turk. Really? You know, there's just way too. There's too much grease. I can't. Well, you know, that's all the oil wrestling. Oh. Kevin, I think this has been a excellent first episode of our podcast here today. I think, uh, well, I should hope a lot of people learned a lot of things. Was there anything else you wanted to you know, touch I, upon, or do you think we should well, end, I'm end right this on now, a good note? Um, well, I'd like to formally hand you Space Helmet. Thank you. I am putting mine on and strapping are, my suit on. These are slick. And, uh, these are very slick. I like this the design. They are very slick. They're very automated. Um, once we get in the spaceship, they jack into a port in the back, and they look... I really was influenced heavily by Tron. And, you know, I do have a lot of graphics on the sides of, like, bones and stuff like that. Just because, you know... I know you're yeah, very, you know, you're very you excited to me? tell I'm me you can take I'm a dump guy. These, but I'll pass. You definitely can. You definitely can, and I encourage you to, because honestly, that generates a lot of heat and electricity oh, for it. Oh, my. See, um, this is the innovations that I need you for and my company. So, I'm slipping it on right now. All right. I'm pulling this crank here. All right. We are moving my downwards. All right. All right. Uh, pulling this crank here. It's aiming upwards. 
I am getting note now that the U.S. military is beginning to punch through the outer levels. The top dome is opening. All right. And I give it about 10 seconds. And uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right. We're going off. We're into space. All right. We're going to swing by Mordor real quick. We're going to do those solid snake things, picking up some orc boys. And those balloons are coming up, scooping them up. And put him in the garbage thing. So and let's all, okay, and let's go to the moon. Times. All right, we're about to break Wi-Fi connection, so uh, I'd like to do formal goodbyes here. My name is Kevin Dramon Chang. I am the CEO of Seven Sigma LLC, um, leaving Earth's orbit here with Ben Wexler. Say goodbye, goodbye everybody. Ben. We'll see you next Christmas. All right, it's been great. Goodbye, Bye. everybody.